Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan Show. And here we are here today with John Paragon. I'm so excited to have him here. John is actually, he had a really funny bio, um, and I, I just had to mention it in this because it, it really caught me off guard and it made me laugh out loud. So he is a six-figure coach, but he also said that, hey, I'm a British racing champion. But then after that, he's like, the second part isn't true, but I'm hoping to make it true. So he's obviously into racing at some point, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a six-figure coach and helping a lot of entrepreneurs go from where they, you know, maybe they aren't even an entrepreneur yet, but they're going and transitioning into the entrepreneurial world and really experiencing entrepreneurship for the first time. So I think his perspective is going to be very unique um, to helping a lot of you, even if you have started a business already, to go from understanding your business to actually truly having a great model that will perform. And, and as John likes to promote, it becomes a, a highly monetized business model. So John, say what's up to everybody and then let's hop in. Hey, hey guys. <laughs> excited to be here, Josh. Yes. It's fun to have you here, man. I am excited. So I want to ask my first question here. <clears throat> and for you in particular, as a coach, I want to ask you, what would be, if you were to start over again, completely from scratch and you had to build a business in 30 days, which is what you, you talk about building a profitable business in 30 days, what business model would you build? And then how would you make it profitable in 30 days? I think hands down, uh, I kind of knew where this question was going as soon as you started asking it, then I think hands down, I would have to go down the coaching route again. Um, I prefer it. I know how to get it to a, a reasonable profitable level in 30 days and I'm genuinely quite excited by the idea of losing everything just to kind of start again. It's almost like a game now. You know, once upon a time, the thought of losing everything was terrifying. Um, trying to drive away from the pain, you know, the fear of not having the security. But now, because so many times I've kind of dropped myself on my ass and recovered, I, I love the idea of, of losing it all and starting again. But I think it would have to be the coaching route. I know there are other business models which I could potentially bring to a, a higher profitable level within the first 30 days um, based on what I know now and what I've done in the past. I might even replicate some of them, but I think coaching would be my, my comfort zone to go to now. See, and I really like that answer. And what's funny to me is I think a lot of us think about that a lot. Like, what would it really be? Wouldn't it be nice to just have a clean slate? Because now that you know what you know, you're like, oh man, if I could just start over from scratch, I could shed so much of the weight and just make it a hyper profitable business. So I love that you've built a business around teaching people how to do that. So I do want to continue on with that question of, of let's talk through how you would actually make it profitable, your framework for making the, a coaching business profitable. Uh, so, so do you mean how I build my business or how I help my clients build their businesses? Because I think it, would, it works quite a bit different, even thinking about individually with each of my clients compared to mine. Well, let's, let's look at yours. I think it's more fun to actually look at you instead of the way you teach it because it, the proof's in the pudding, right? <laughs> the proof is in what you're actually doing. Uh, I, I guess so, yeah. Um, to be honest, I kind of want to say... I'm not sure. I mean, I'm relatively new to my coaching business anyway. And fortunately for me, I already had a reasonable network from my previous business of people that I'd already built a relationship with. I mean, the previous company that I built, 
had zero money invested into paid advertising. I built up the entire company pretty much from word of mouth through referrals. So I already have a network. So once I stepped into the coaching world, there were people looking for opportunities to come and work with me one-to-one to build something similar to what I have built in the past. So it was quite easy and blessed in that sense that I just stepped into it and it just worked. I had a swarm of clients looking to me and, you know, based on the model that I use, I only work with a small amount of clients anyway. So if I lost it all now, it would probably be a different approach to the one that I've taken up until this point. Um, I'm not sure. I think I'd have to spend quite a bit of time trying to figure out the best route to go about this. About doing the coaching or what? Well, and I think it's such an, the reason I like to ask the question that way is if you had to start over again, the thing that you do have that never goes away unless you do something just absolutely stupid um, is your network and your know-how, right? Like it's the knowledge you have. And, and that's why it's being an entrepreneur is so fun. It's like the successful entrepreneurs are the ones who've done it at least more than once. I don't think I've ever met an entrepreneur where their first one was like the most successful business they've ever had. I completely agree. I don't think I've ever come across an entrepreneur that just started one business and just, that was the one, that was the one that clicked. I don't even want to count how many different ones that I've tried. (laughs) And every single one of them was just an incredibly, well, I say every single one up until the most recent ones, every single one before that were just painful lessons on what not to do. And you kind of forced to learn how to do things better. There's been a few, a few occasions where, it's been such a painful lesson. I thought, this is it. I'm out. I, I, you know, this isn't for me. You know, I failed. The amount of people that have kind of expected me to fail at some point. And then when I did, it was like, yep, they were right. This sucks. But then at some point I've gone, do you know what? Nope, I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to do it better this time. You know, learn from that and move forward, which is, which is what I've done. And here I am. Yeah. And I think, I think the appeal, especially as an entrepreneur, when, when you do lose things, if, if you're really like kind of at that point where you're, I don't think anybody really like their entire business disappears. It very rarely happens, but when it starts to decline rapidly, I mean, the, the appeal of like going and getting a job at that point is like, well, I have a lot of experience now. I'm very, I could very easily get a job. Um, and that, that allure happens a lot, especially once, you know, like while you're still in that six figure slog, right. Like getting past that first yeah. six figure barrier. And so like for you and your clients, like when you're working with your clients, if they were building a coaching business with no network or anything, how would you recommend that they get their first clients as a coach? So for the most part, I actually work with my clients under the assumption they don't have an established network. And especially if they are new to the business world or new to coaching. So I take them through a series of processes. So initially we, we work on their positioning, which is figuring out their social media presence positioning themselves as a logical go-to solution for their potential clients. Uh, Then we work on on prospecting, which pretty much uh, comes down to just connecting with the right people and as many of the right people as they can, uh, either through paid marketing, either through organic outreach on social media platforms, predominantly LinkedIn, um, or podcasts. Podcasts are a huge one. Um, We spoke about this previously. You know, there's a huge potential for podcasts. And then we move on to processes. So looking at automation, making the business as efficient as possible. But this comes a little bit further down the line. And there's obviously things included, the small parts, which are putting together the websites and the funnels and and automating that full process. There might be some outsourcing, hiring uh, VAs and things like that. But ultimately, I call the three Ps. So you've got the positioning, uh, then the prospecting, and then the processes. 
I love that. And, and <laughs> speaking truth to my heart here, because we've, <clears throat> you know, our entire business model and what we teach people is that same thing, right? I mean, you can absolutely start without all of those assets. You don't even need a logo. We didn't even have a website, honestly, like a good website that we set traffic to until we were at the multiple six figures mark. And most people don't realize that like when they're building out um, their business, like, okay, I'm good. if I don't have a site, people aren't going to want to buy from me. And I heard a guy say it recently. One of our coaches actually, I loved, loved what he said. He's like, you don't, um, you don't, you don't choose when, when you're reputable. He's like, the, the reality is your job is just to find, find a solution to their problem. And all you have to do is prove to them that you are the solution to their problem. That doesn't require testimonials or a website or anything. It's just talk them through the solution, how you'll help them solve it. And they'll pay you. Like, and it's, we've seen that time and time and time again in our business where, I mean, we'll launch things before the product's even built and people are like, yeah, I'll pay you for that. Okay, great. Take their money, make the product and then give it to them. Right? <laughs> so I've, I've, uh, I've launched products in the past before the product's even ready to go. I've, I've, I've sold it. Pre-sales are huge from yeah. websites. I found quite often they're counterproductive to, to clients who are looking to set up a business because they get so focused on the website because you know they're doing the, the typical thing where it's messing about with the logo, their business cards and the website. They want to look the part, but the reality is that's not going to help your clients. Helping your clients is going to be the best way for you to position yourself as the expert. You, ultimately, you have to be the logical option. If someone has a pain or a problem, and it's a very specific pain or problem, they want a very specific solution. You need to show that you can deliver on that, and they need to know where to find you. But on me, I... <laughs> funnels do the job for what i do funnels have done the job significantly better than websites have for me based on what i've built in the past um, and you know you you stick with what you know that's not to say websites don't work uh, but I, I found funnels work significantly better for what i do i agree and, and you know it's funny the, the way you mentioned that i thought was so good because what people they end up using especially when they're starting out they use the website as this time crutch like, well, I can't do anything until this is done and I've got to get this done. The dumb thing about websites and funnels, they're never finished and it's annoying. And if you get too hung up on, oh, well, I've got to wait till it's done, you're never going to do anything. Um, I, I know for us, and one of the, the best explanations of a website or a funnel is it's there to collect cash. It's not there to sell people. You are there to sell people. It's your job to be the, the salesperson. And I know for us, I mean, like funnels have played a huge part in what we do. Um, but the more complicated we get, it ends up our, our profit margins decrease. And we also end up making a lot less sales, honestly, overall, because we're too hung up on like the small ticket sales, the lead magnets and all these things, instead of focusing 100% on, okay, how do we close, you know, $10,000 sales, $100,000 sales. So for you, and, and when you're promoting this to your clients, what are kind of the first steps you recommend they take? Because you're a lot, I mean, your methodology is a lot around building the model. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so building, trying to figure out what their model is going to be. So if we start in a new business from scratch, trying to figure out what's going to work for, for them based on what skills they have, what they are interested in, you know, what we ultimately, we want to know what they are good at. So there's lots of different ways to take it really. Um, yeah. No, well, so for you, when, when, um, let's just say I'm a coach, right? So I'm coming at you and I'm saying, okay, I want, I want to coach people, obviously in entrepreneurship and marketing, I have some experience in marketing. Um, would you say, Hey, the first place to start for them would be to take, um, to, to build a funnel or would you say, Hey, like 
go sell to people first, build a podcast? Like, what would you recommend? So I would suggest a funnel reasonably early on, but is probably not going to be your first step. If you are at the six figure mark or, you know, maybe you're making 200 K per year, then I will say you need a funnel relatively soon. I think you can make a very, very good income um, just from organic outreach, just from getting the prospecting right. You know, even just as simple as 25 connections on LinkedIn per day and reach out to them, have a conversation, touch base with them. People will come to you. Um, So for me, it normally gets to, I work quite intense with my clients. So the first two weeks is pretty intense and we don't start discussing the funnels until the second week. And then over a 90 day period, almost a full 90 day period is working on split testing and refining and just improving the conversion slightly. And that's not just on the funnels, that's on the email series. We're constantly split testing emails. And like you said before, a funnel is not just uh, something you can create and then it's done like the website. You should always be constantly testing and refining and improving. It, it becomes a full-time focus for that too. Yeah. And, and I love, I love the explanation of funnels and websites in this way is it it's meant to accelerate the trajectory that you're already on and it accelerates the sales process because if you start out building a funnel, odds are it's, you have a 95% chance of having a broken or poor sales message that doesn't work. And so if you try to build an acceleration process on that, you're just going to burn money because your, your sales process sucks, right? But if it, you already have an existing sales process that converts very, very well and you add a funnel onto it, oh man, it's like putting fuel on the fire, right? Because it speeds up your sales process. If, if you can make, if you can make quarter, let's say just quarter mil, uh, organically, just on social media in less than, let's go with two hours per day, very achievable, two hours per day, 250K a year, just on social media. You don't need any funnels with that. If you can add funnels into the mix and you've already got that income, you now have some mental and financial freedom to be able to invest in this a little bit better. You can then add that fuel to the fire and then take it to seven figures from there. I think that's probably the best way to go. That's the way I take my clients now anyway. They need to be able to make an income organically to show the product works, to show that people want their solution. Then you can move on to the bigger stuff. Yeah, I love that. Well, And, and for you, um, in your current sales process, you said you do use funnels. Is that correct? Yep. So I use funnels currently. And what, um, what type of funnels have you found to, to convert the best? I mean, are these lead magnet funnels? Or are they uh, just application funnels? How, how have you used funnels for yours? So I think VSLs have been the best way, um, as long as you can provide enough value in a VSL. Yeah. I did make the mistake early on. I have made the mistake in the past with clients of having them give as much value as they can, but sometimes they give too much value. Uh, and the people will leave after watching the VSL with a lot to implement. And by the time they've implemented it all, they've forgot about, you know, kind of moving forward with the paid options. So I try to give away a few really, really good nuggets that make people want more. If you can give them even just one really, really solid nugget on a, in a short VSL, if you can keep it at five minutes, that's fantastic. Then people leave that. They want more because they gain so much value from that five minutes. They naturally think, Imagine how much I gain if I paid this guy, if I got to work with him every single day, look how much he managed to give me in five minutes. Working with him every single day, I'm going to gain a tremendous amount. 
So I, I usually try to encourage my clients to create five minute VSLs. Occasionally, depending on what, what the product is, what the solution is, we may have a longer one, but we certainly don't go down the route of, of running one hour, two hour, three hour webinars. They don't work for me. I, I personally don't like them. Yeah. I know, I know there's, um, <laughs> Russell Brunson was one of the guys who popularized the webinar concept for a lot of people. And they, um, but even more recently, he's been talking about it. He's like, you don't have to have a 90 minute webinar. If you've read his most recent books, I mean, he, he even talks about, you can do it in five minutes. And we've even been seeing that with our own company is when we do shorten it, we get a lot more sales calls because people are like, you know what, this intrigued me enough. Let's get on the call. Right. And for us, and I don't know what nuggets you, you like to teach for us. We really like to just teach the, what, like the framework, like, Hey, here are the big steps. And if you want help with those steps, hop on a call and, and we'll see if we can help you with those steps. Right. Let's see if we're a good match. Um, but for you, when you, once, once you get somebody to hop on a call with you, what's kind of your process? Like, are you, are you there to close them? Do you have a qualifying call? How do you guys do it yourselves? So it, it's a, once upon a time, I'd go through the bro marketing method of no matter how the conversation goes, we're getting some kind of sale or close on the phone. We're taking credit card details and they are buying something. Um, I spent a year working at a new car dealership and that was kind of drilled into me. Um, so I took that approach on the calls, but now it's a call. The entire call is just connecting with, with the potential client, with the prospect, uh, discussing what they intend to do. I'll give them some more nuggets. I'll even give them a lot of value and tell them what they can go action next. And I approach every call with the expectation, and I make this clear before we jump on the call, I'm going to give you some things that you can go on action after this call. And if it's okay with you, I'm going to give you some paid coaching options. If you don't want them, that's perfectly fine. If you're not a fit for me and if you decide it's not what you need, that's perfectly okay. Um, but I'll give you some paid coaching options. Otherwise, just take what you learn and run with that. That's perfectly okay too. You know, touch base with me in a couple of months. Let me know how you're getting on. I'm always happy to bounce ideas around. I have enough clients as it is. I don't need to push hard and chase the sales. Um, this is kind of this has worked very well for me in the past. Uh, it, it's a strategy I will continue to use. It's much more laid back and, and chilled out for me. I don't like the pushing on the calls. It just doesn't work for me. No, it's it's really funny to watch. Actually, we just spent fifteen thousand dollars yesterday with a guy. Um, I had become friends with him, and we were just on the call. And he was like, "There wasn't even a pitch." I basically was like. Okay, so it's 15K, sweet. Can I can I give you my car details? And I remember we were laughing about it after I gave him the money. I'm like, dude, we should have recorded that and like made that a podcast episode just so you could see like, first off, I'm one of the easiest people to sell, unfortunately. Um, I struggle with that. But uh, especially if it's like business related stuff, um, you just get me excited about it and I'll usually, I'll usually buy, right? But it was interesting to watch that process because he did it the same way you're talking about. And that's really our methodology as well as it's like, your goal isn't to sell them on the call. Your goal is to help them find solutions to their problems. If that solution requires a payment to you, so be it, right? And the weirdest thing, if you do it that way, you'll actually close way more deals because you're not like, okay, give me your credit card details. Let's figure it all out, right? You obviously take the money on the call, but it's it's more about, let's just get to know each other. Let's become friends and yeah. I think I especially it. in this day and age where there's so many people trying to sell you things. I mean, I saw a statistic recently that says we see an average of 4,000 adverts per day and we only pick up on two of them and it's because the messaging is so wrong on them all but we're just so used to seeing adverts everywhere people trying to sell us stuff all of the time I think we've kind of 
conditioned ourselves to block everything out. So I don't know about you guys, but I know in the UK, I find us very tough to sell to because as soon as we know somebody has something they want to sell, whether that serves us in any way or not, whether it can help us, automatically we're on the defensive thinking, this person just wants my money. You know, They have a, a selfish uh, agenda when they come to sell us something. We get people knocking on the door or we get the phone calls and automatically I'm like, this person just wants my money. Whether they can save me money or not, or whether they can help me make money, we don't even pay attention to. It's like, this person wants my money. So if I can have a conversation with them and make it clear, I'm not in this for your money. I don't need your money. It's perfectly okay. My priority is to make sure you go and win. If you want to do that with me, if you want to work with me, I can help you win faster and I can help you win more. But if you're not in position to spend or you decide I'm not the right fit, that's perfectly okay. I still want you to touch base with me in a month or two. Let me know how you're getting on. Yeah. And, and I think that is the differentiating factor, right? Because you're you're like, regardless of what you end up doing, whether you pay me or not, reach back out to me. Like, I want to know, follow, follow up with me. I know for me, I was an unintentionally doing this because I sucked at selling at the beginning, right? And, or I thought I sucked at selling, right? And because I, I couldn't, I was too nervous to take the card details or what have you, but I would just check in on them. I'd be like, hey, did, did that uh, website you built ever pan out? Or, you know, did this happen? And um, did you start your podcast? Did that, that, how'd that work out? How many listeners have you gotten? And it's so funny because nobody does it. And you're not doing it in a, templated way you're going back as a human being and saying hey i remember this from our conversation it was great did you ever get that taken care of and that's that's kind of the big um that's one of the big takeaways for me from this call as well um from this interview so i, I appreciate you reminding me of that um so i want to ask you this because we are coming up to the end of the interview here john so um as most people know right we already kind of know your whole process that's what's kind of fun so you've actually given people the opportunity to sit down and have a call with you. Is that correct? Yep. That's correct. See, and that's crazy. Nobody ever does that. People are like, go to get my lead magnet. But John was like, I'm not going to give them a lead magnet. He's like, it's not going to be for your audience. He's like, I'll, I'll actually sit down and talk with them. So where can people get in touch with you, John, to get that call? So the easiest way, fortunately, there's not too many John, uh, John Paragons uh, kicking around. <laughs> so I'm quite easy to find. So if you uh, take a peek on LinkedIn, you should be able to find me quite easily. Um, Touching on the racing stuff that I do, you're going to find me in a pink background wearing my racing suit. I am quite easy to find. So <laughs> have a look on LinkedIn. Just reach out. Let me know. Obviously, you've uh, you've found me on the podcast. and We'll book a call. I'm more than happy to jump on a call. If you just want to bounce ideas around, that's perfectly okay. If you want to discuss one-to-one -one, uh, coaching options, you know, I've got some pretty laid-back ones or some pretty intensive ones. It depends on where you're at. More than happy to discuss options. Love that. So make sure you go connect with him. I'm actually going to add a link in the description here so people can just one click over to your LinkedIn profile. Um, but I want people to, to think about that as a way, okay, where are you currently at in your business? John's offering you an opportunity to bounce ideas around. He's literally like not even saying, hey, I'm going to sell every single person who comes through here. Go over there and just bounce ideas off of him. And I, I bet a lot of you are going to need his services and pay him anyways, but, but uh, make sure that you go check that, take advantage of, of John's time there. Um, and John, one final question for you. So, you know, we have covered a lot of different topics today. So if you could leave one final parting piece of guidance for our audience, what would that be? Oh dear, you're putting pressure on me on this one. <laughs> one final piece of advice. Oh, 
Every time I get asked a question like this, I feel like I'm meant to come up with something impressive. You know, when you see the quotes just posted on LinkedIn or Facebook that someone's kind of rehashed and put on a pretty background, something inspirational that's quoted from Einstein or something like that. And automatically my brain goes, right, which one of these can I think of? Um, that's a tricky one, really. I think obviously, based on where you're at, I, th I think my priority is when building a business is to make things as efficient as possible. Lots of people I see are just plugging away and they may come and sit at the computer in the morning. I've done this before now, uh, back in the days when I struggled feeling like I wanted to have a day where I'm productive. I'm gonna sit at the computer and I'm gonna get lots done today. I'm gonna make some money. I'm gonna move my business forward. It never really worked like that because I'd sit down, I'd, I'd create a post, I'd send an email, I'd reach out to a few clients, I'd make a few phone calls and I would just actioning things for the sake of actioning things. I wasn't actually moving the business forward. One thing that's worked tremendously well for me is at the end of my working day, normally around lunchtime, because I don't like working too hard, uh, I like to write down what my tasks are for the following day. So normally I have three tasks that I want to action the next day. And these can be incredibly simple or quite complex, but I know if I just get these three things done, my business has moved forward. And if you do that every single day for a year, you've actioned a thousand incredibly useful tasks Whereas just sitting down at the computer and, and doing pieces of work for the sake of it often doesn't move your business forward. And once you've completed those, you've then got the mental freedom for the rest of the day. If you want to invest some more time and energy into your business, you can, or you can then go and spend time doing all the other things that you love, your, your hobbies, your passion, spend time with the family, whatever it may be. I obviously choose to spend time with my children after that. And I may jump back in and, and do a couple of pieces of work, but getting those three pieces done, as long as they are moving your business forward, that's perfectly okay. That's enough. And you can build a multiple six-figure business. I built a seven-figure business working an average of 15 hours per week just because I leveraged uh, automation and be, being as efficient as I could. Every activity I, I acted on in the business, if it didn't move the business forward or make me money, somebody else did it. I paid somebody else to do it. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.